What's wrong with you people? I'm serious. This is Not Another Baptist Podcast, a weekly podcast about what two pastors are learning in the trenches of church revitalization. This podcast is sponsored in part by our friends at the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Visit swibbits.edu to find out more about what God is doing on Seminary Hill. Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, and boy, do we have a curveball for you. If you listened to last week's episode, (laughs) it was fantastic. And we had a wonderful game plan as we recorded a few days early about what we expected to happen in Alpharetta, Georgia. And it did not happen quite that way. The conference went on. The conference was great, as far as I can tell. Um, (laughs) Here it is. Uh, Let's see. It is currently Saturday evening, and I am still in Alpharetta in my (laughs) hotel room because I I tested positive for covid uh, on Thursday morning, right as the conference was getting ready to take off, so I have been, uh, I say quarantined. I, I've been able to go outside. I found a park not too far from here, but um, I have not been able to get home because uh, I can't get on an airplane, you know, yeah. with COVID. Yeah. So uh, now let me let me fill our listeners in as well. I was vaccinated, uh, and so my symptoms have been super mild. Uh, I mean, at, at my worst, I felt like I had a cold today. You can tell I'm still a little stuffy, but breathing fine. Um, uh, you know, no, no major symptoms other than uh, yesterday, I lost my taste and smell, which is the weirdest, uh, one of the weirdest things I've ever experienced. So I'm sitting here sipping on some decaf coffee just because it's nice and warm, but it may as well be like hot water because I can't taste so, a thing. Because of you, like I got home and and I'll, I'll fill in everybody on that in just a second, but I got home. And of course, every little thing like now, you know, like I might, I might just have a random cough because I just drank my coffee the wrong way or whatever. I was like, Oh no, here it oh, no. There it or, is. Or <laughs> like I, I asked Rebecca if she could bring me a sunny D with an emergency in it. Yes. With a vitamin D pill. That's kind of been my go-to. Like I usually have it every morning and every evening and uh, through the course of the pandemic, really. And, uh, and so I'd forgotten right when I came in. So she came out to bring, bring it to me and uh, she didn't see, or at least remember the sunny D part. And so I took the first sip and I was like, Oh no, Oh no. <laughs> because, because it just tasted like water. Like, well, it didn't taste like anything. So I was like, Oh no. And so finally at the very end, you know, there's just like the granules. I don't know if you've ever had emergency. It's just that gross yeah. stuff at the bottom. And I just was like, I'm going to make sure I still taste it. So I like stuck my tongue down in the cup and I start licking. I was like, okay, I can taste that. We're good. We're good. Uh, We're still good. Yeah. We're still good. Yeah. And, uh, and so, so anyway, we did uh, for the first time. Now we have recorded before something happened yes. times uh, because of the nature of our jobs and our lives. travel schedules. And yeah, sure. Sometimes you just have to. And, uh, and so we do it. We've blown it, it this never, time. Never going to be able backfire. to do that again. We just, we just blew our secret to all of our listeners that sometimes we record things two weeks out and just trust that nothing's going to go terribly wrong. <laughs> this time it did. And, uh, and boy, did it. And, uh, so boy, did it. Kyle. and uh, <laughs> I'm just glad that you lost your taste. I just wish you would go and get like a raw onion and just, start well, as best friends, as being best friends with you, some folks have said that I don't have any taste anyway. So it's true. I did, see, I did see one comment that now is the time for you to eat candy corn. 
Yeah. And, uh, so, <laughs> or in and out. Anybody want to send me some in and out? I'll try that. Yeah. Um, I had a LaCroix earlier, which tasted the same to me as it always does. <laughs> so yeah. there you go. Yep. So, so here I am in Alpharetta, hoping to test negative in the next couple of days. And then, so man, I hope, dear Lord, by the time this goes live on Friday and you're listening to this, I sure hope I'm home. Yeah, I want to be home. Well, we, we should scrap everything we've said and <laughs> say now, you know, Kyle, now I'm on my way home and, and everything's better. And just, oh, we're never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> so from now on, guys, we might reheat something. We are neither the prophets nor the son of prophets. And yes. we just proved that. <laughs> yes. But uh, I will say, so one, it, it was a great testament to the great replant team yeah because like zero offense at all to you this is the way it should be you're gone you know one of the key you know kind of planners and everything else you're not in there anymore and it continued yeah as if it didn't happened. miss a beat it's the fantastic. only difference was mark in a mask and uh and so so that was about that that was the only real difference in anything except one of the things that you and i were supposed to do was a combined breakout session, uh, two of them, in fact, on what? What was that, Kyle? I believe it was on eliminating isolation, which would have discussed the importance of strong relationships. Yeah. In, yeah. And one of the things in, that we in replanting. this week is when you do overcome isolation, you may very well catch COVID. Uh, so <laughs> hopefully I did not. Uh, but because Kyle wasn't there, uh, Matt Hensley just had to wing it. And Matt winging it, is not really a great thing. And, but the first one was kind of the test run. We got through it. It was encouraging. We made it through. But as I was going, they were sort of like the guinea pigs because I was like, what is really resonating with these folks? And then for that second one, like I even encouraged them, like, why don't y'all come back? Like, I got it now. We're good. And, uh, and so with that, we're going to share on today's episode really just five keys. Uh, that I think could could really boil down to surviving and thriving in rural, uh, but I think also really whether you're in urban, suburban, D.C., all of the other areas that we were sharing uh, through the conference, uh, because these are five keys that I think really relate to anybody. Uh, but the first one that I shared with the, the group was that we need to move to conflict, not run from it. And what I mean by that and what I shared in that group was that doesn't mean that you're going in looking for conflict. We, we want to create conflict. <laughs> yeah, we're not saying go yeah. and create conflict, but when there is conflict, uh, it's easy. And, and especially depending upon your personality type, maybe you don't want to confront. Maybe you aren't a very confrontational person. And most pastors probably shouldn't be. I mean, we we don't want to be Mr. Like, I know everything, and I'm going to go and tell you why you're wrong. So that's not what we're saying here. But sometimes in church ministry, rural, urban, wherever, uh, there's going to be conflict in your church. And it's easy to want to kind of sweep it under the rug. And all of us that are married that are listening here, we know how well that works. When you have an argument with your wife or disagreement, and, uh, and you continue to just kind of push it down, push it down, push it down. Eventually, it's going to do what? Uh, explode. Yes. And that's the same Boiler. thing in church. When we have conflict and we just kind of let it fester under the surface and just sort of let it lie and just sit there for a while, eventually something's going to set it off. That might be a business meeting. That might be in the middle of a worship service. We have no idea when it's going to happen. But if we don't, 
go to conflict and handle that conflict in a biblical way, uh, then we risk something blowing up in our face. And so that was the first one, was moving to conflict, not running from conflict. Before we move on to the next one, Kyle, uh, I know that has nothing to do with debt uh, because that was your main main topic <laughs> yeah, this, was. Uh, this week that we you did such a great job preaching on. Thank you. Uh, you know that we spoke out in in faith. But uh, what what are your thoughts really on running to conflict instead of running from it? Yeah, so I am non confrontational by nature. Uh, I don't really like. Uh, conflict. And so that has, uh, throughout the course of my ministry, a couple of times come back to bite me because I didn't deal with things um, as efficiently and as quickly as I could have. Um, and, and I've learned from that, and I think I've gotten better at it, but it's taken several years through the course of several ministries to do that. Uh, you know, I remember us doing a podcast with uh, Mark Halleck several years ago, and he talked about pursuing your critics. And not, like you said, not just sweeping it under the rug, but but really going and actively approaching people that maybe just flat don't like you and seeing if you can, um, you know, seeing if you can make that better. So, uh, yeah, if if you run to conflict, move move toward uh, handling conflict rather than away from it, uh, not every problem is going to be solved, but you're at least um, doing your part to make sure that that conflict doesn't just kind of bubble under the surface without ever being addressed. Yeah, for sure. The second key that I shared was that we need to embrace kids, not just tolerate kids. And there was a great resonating point that I made in there that, you know, it's cliche at this point. I don't know who first said it, uh, but so many people have said it at this point because it's true that kids are not the future of our church. They are your church. And a lot of times, and certainly with maybe certain generations within the church, and, and a, certainly as you're coming in to revitalize something, uh, kids are often seen more as a liability than an asset. Whereas for the pastor, typically somebody that's wanting to bring in life into the church and so forth, it's the exact opposite. Sometimes they're, our older folks are the liability and, uh, and not an asset. And, and so there's a middle ground there that we need to meet on both sides of that. And one of the, I shared the story that we've shared on the pod before of the, the kids that were having a knockout drag out fight in the front row of the church. And I just sat down on the steps and I had one kid on my right knee and one kid on my left knee. And I finished the sermon. I don't think anybody remembers what I said, but it was the greatest sermon I ever preached because Uh. I preached more with what I was doing than what I was really saying. And it really taught our folks that the value in embracing kids, seeing them as a part of the church as a whole, and not just tolerating them, not just sending them off to children's church, whatever it may may be. And that doesn't mean that children's church is necessarily bad. But when we always just siphon them off and send them off, instead of having them a part of what we are doing at Mayhill, of course, this, this Sunday and two days from now, Uh, when this goes live, will be my last Sunday here. But one of the things we really tried to do was involve youth and kids in everything that the church does. So when we have greeters, we've got kids and youth that are part of that. When we've got audio and video team, we've got kids and youth that are part of that. The praise team, there's different areas that the kids are a part of. And one of the things that that really helps, and we've got a number of parents that they say, you know, in, in previous churches, our kids just, you know, they were always fed, which was great, but they never really had chances to serve. And so then when they move on, it's like, oh, well, I have to do stuff at church. Like, 
what, where'd this come in? Like, that's not cool. But no, this is a way for them to see that even before they get into college and we know all the stats of everybody leaving the, you know, the church after college, all that kind of stuff. We know all of that. But if they see the value of church and they're a part of church and they have those relationships in the church and have truly been embraced as a part of the church, they may see that value and not want to run away from the church later. And so really having that posture of embracing kids, not just tolerating kids, seeing them as the church, not just a future part of the church that we just have to wait until they can have a role to play. Kyle? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, even in, even in churches I've served where, um, where we had a children's church or something like that, inevitably you're still going to have, hopefully uh, kids in the service at some point, right. Whether that's babies with their parents and, and when you get babies in there, it gets noisy. Right. And, you know, oftentimes, I mean, parents will get kind of, you know, anxious when a baby starts crying or whatever, and they want to take them out. And I've, I've always uh, tried to communicate that um, those are good disruptions. Those, those are good distractions um, because they, they signify that there's life happening in the church. I had a, I think I've shared this before. Uh, not long after I got to Alamogordo, there was a young man who started attending whose dad was a, a long time uh, on staff with one of the state conventions. And, uh, and he and I were doing lunch one day and, and he said, you know, he said, my dad always taught in, in his churches. He said, if you ain't crying, you're dying. And he said, you know, if, 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 if you don't have kids and babies making noise, um, that, that's probably a church that doesn't have much life to it. And so that, that stuck in my mind. And I would, uh, I would communicate that often to, to our church that, listen, yes, I, I understand, right. It's sometimes it's distracting. Um, but, but that is okay. That's a good, uh, that's a good disruption, a good distraction to have because it signifies, uh, that we are reaching young families, which is one of the things that we set out to do. And, uh, and so absolutely, you know, and then as you mentioned, I'm finding ways for kids to serve. Um, in whatever capacity that can be, uh, but seeing the kids um, active involved, actively involved in ministry and uh, serving the church and serving Jesus is so, so important. And I think is a boost of energy to a church as well, right? To, to see that. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the third thing that I shared was I just had everybody in the room, if they were a solo staff member, they were kind of on their own at their church just to raise their hand. And in both of the classes that I had, and now that's not maybe true for each of the other breakouts, but the ones that came to me and in the breakouts that I had, there were only a total of three guys that had more than one staff member at their church. Wow. And, uh, and so wow. that, and, and that's probably very common when it comes to rural churches that may have smaller budgets and all of that sort of thing. And so another key is training up lay leaders. Because like in our case, we've talked about this on the pod before, uh, with our giving to cooperative program and some of that kind of stuff, we're not really able to afford another staff member. But I can be intentional on raising up various leaders to lead out in certain areas. Now, I have the benefit of years of student ministry experience, some years of children's ministry experience, a ton of years in music ministry, and then of course, is preaching and administration and so forth. And so I'm able to kind of you know, be a coach in some of these areas. And you may not necessarily have those, uh, those backgrounds, but you also know the vision of your church. And as you find some people that are more than just, they have a pulse, but truly people that are called because as Paul Chipwood talks about, we call out the called. And so that may be going into the mission field. That may be becoming a preacher. 
that may also be becoming a Sunday school teacher or a kids ministry director or a music director. And so one of the things that we can do is train up lay leaders to offload some of the things that we inevitably add to our own shoulders, because it's easy. I know how easy it is for me of just doing it myself. Yeah. If it, it, you know, that old adage, if you want it done right, you just got to do it yourself. Sometimes I am guilty of that, yeah. but I'm also limiting what my people are able to do because we are called as pastors to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And some of those works of ministry are the different things that we have in our church, the prayer ministry, the, you know, the, the greetings, the, you know, the music, the songs, all of that kind of stuff that we, we have involved the youth, the kids. And so training up some of those folks, so you're not doing it all on yourself. Otherwise you're going to work yourself into an early grave or burnout. And so Kyle, you and I were at very similar churches. You had a, a song leader, I believe at uh, first Alamogordo. I can't remember yeah. if she was paid or not. Uh, but in our case, all of ours are volunteer, and most of the guys that were in that room may have been in the process of doing so. A lot of us are able to train up from the grassroots people that can fill in some of those spots. And so what's the, what, what are some values that you see in that beyond just the simple ownership that your members have instead of just being spectators of watching Matt you know, do his show every week or Kyle do his show every week instead of having an ownership in the ministry itself? Yeah. And yeah, as you mentioned, we, we had a part-time uh, worship leader. Um, and, but, but I mean, essentially during the week, I mean, I was the only, I was the only staff person around. Right. So um, it can be, if, if you're not a good delegator, that can become a lot that's on your shoulders. Um, and I've not always been a good delegator. I think I've gotten better at that uh, kind of with what I was talking about earlier about the conflict as well. I think that's something I've grown in through the years, but um, it's, like you said, sometimes it is easy to buy into the, if, it, if I want this done right, if I want this done in my time frame, uh, I'm the one that does it right. And then sometimes, I don't know about you, but I would just buy into the lie. Well, I'm the one here, so I should take care of it. Yeah. Right. Which, which meant managing buildings and um, talking to insurance people and, and things that are way outside my expertise area. But I'm the person in the office when the phone rings. Um, and uh, so, you, you know, so, you were never in the office, man. <laughs> I was during typically during our posted office hours, which are in the morning. Um, and so, you know, it, it became really easy to take over that. And I learned through the years to hand some of that off and ask other people who knew what they were doing in those areas. You know, we had a guy who was in construction. And so eventually I asked him to kind of become our building guy, uh, probably far too late. I should have done it much earlier, but I asked him to take that on. Um, you know, handing stuff off, like teaching Sunday school. At one point I was, uh, I was leading worship. Uh, so, I was, or I was, I was playing in the praise team and teaching a Sunday school class and then preaching on Sunday mornings. And so, um, I mean, I was never around to visit with folks because I was going straight from one thing to another. Right. And so just handing that off, um, God has gifted people in your church to, to do tasks, whether that's teaching Sunday school or whether that's fixing toilets. Um, in replanning, we talk about being a resourceful generalist, which means you do what needs to be done. Um, and, and if need be, you're the guy that does it. But that is not a perpetual thing, right? That's not an always and forever. You're going to do everything. No, you're going you're gonna to do it when, when you first arrive and you realize stuff needs to be done and you don't have anyone to do it. Okay, you take it on. After two or three years, you don't still need to be doing that. You need to... Um, find others who, who you can raise up. Right. And believe it or not, developing leaders might start by develop by, by having someone who uh, volunteers to vacuum the carpets every week. 
Yeah. Um, I think it was Matt Chandler who, who said that his, his first ministry job was like working backstage at a, at a college Bible study. Um, uh, essentially, I don't know if it was a janitor, but it was something, some job like that, like that, that's, that's how it started. And, and some guys invested in. So find those, those people that you can invest in like that and begin, uh, not, not just for the task of unloading things off of your shoulders, but for the, for the sake of investing in ministry minded servant, servanthood minded folks, uh, who, who want to serve Jesus in his church. Yeah, and the fourth one, uh, I, I think, really is is key, and and certainly it's what we're called to do to make disciples. Uh, but uh, but I think it's also important that this comes with some of those other things. Of if we've got a church filled with conflict that we're just sweeping under the rug, if you know kids are just kind of ostracized and just kind of put up with, if we've got you know the pastor just you know down on his luck because he's doing literally everything, he's tired. He can't be outgoing. He certainly doesn't have time to do X, Y, and Z extra in terms of making disciples. But another key is to make disciples. And I shared with the team, you know, that was with us that, you know, if we weren't meant to continue doing that, when we're saved, we would have been raptured at that moment. So there's clearly a reason that we're still here. And it's easy, perhaps, especially a new pastor comes in or whatever, there's excitement. And so maybe some of those sheep that may not be too happy at the church, maybe down the road, or in our case, maybe a city away or something like that, but they start, well, I'll go and check out this church. And maybe they join. And, you know, in in a sense, maybe we can celebrate that. and, And there is a good time for that. But really, our focus doesn't need to at all be on just swapping sheep. We need to be about reaching the loss. And so to do that, we need to make disciples. And I shared a failure that I had of the previous church that I served. When I came, we had about 20 or 30. When I left, we had about 100. And within weeks, it was back down to 30. And there were other things at work, but one of the things that was not working was an ongoing model of disciple making. And what is so great and what encourages me about being able to turn the reins over on Sunday, in this case, this is Friday as we send this out on Sunday, as I kind of turn the reins over and and leave, is we've got people right now that are already discipling more people. And the whole purpose of how we have trained them and so forth is that that person that they're discipling will then find someone else to disciple and then on and on and on. And so it's something that can continue whether I stay for another seven years or whether I stay for another seven minutes. That disciple making ministry is going to continue. And so the value of making disciples, obviously, it's why we're here. So we can't overstate that anyway. Uh, but, uh, But you've seen that at Alamogordo that yes, it's easy to, to have some sheep kind of swap back and forth, or some leave you, some come to you, all that kind of stuff. That happens. But the key, our focus, has to be on those lost that are in our midst, that we're going out to reach them with the life-saving, forever message of Jesus Christ. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. That's what led us to, uh, in the early days, begin a, a recovery ministry, uh, that up until COVID, I mean, we were reaching... I mean, anywhere from eight to 25 uh, ladies on a Wednesday night, Wednesday or Thursday night. Um, and, uh, and that led us to do things like block parties and end of school bash, back to school bash, those kind of things where we wanted to be involved in our community. Uh, we wanted to, to build relationships with the community. Um, most of our growth came because people moved to Alamogordo and that, that's a very transient place. So they're with the Air Force Base. There are a lot of folks moving in. Um, 
often and a lot of folks moving out and and we were able to to tap into that and that that led to uh some some growth in the church health for for sure and in the financial health um but 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 i think the the danger there was it would have been very easy just to kind of do that and say oh look we're growing our numbers are good right but um you know not really focus on reaching those who are far from christ um and so we made it we made it a concerted effort and we saw you know some some fruit from that um over the years and uh, because we wanted to be a church that um that helped people grow in their faith and that can happen with folks that move to town that have maybe had a um you know a, a relationship with jesus that's been stagnant you, you can spark you can disciple them and spark some growth and we saw that happen as well um but I think that's a very important uh, question to ask. How are we making disciples? How are we helping people grow in their faith? And how are we helping to expand the kingdom of God? Because you can grow a church um, using a whole lot of methods that have nothing to do with making disciples whatsoever. Yeah. Before we wind down with the final one, I have a quick word from our friends at the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you're considering your next steps in theological education, then head to Fort Worth, Texas for Southwestern Seminary's Fall Preview Day on October 22nd. You'll have a chance to tour the campus, meet your professors, talk with fellow students, meet President Adam W. Greenway, and experience the unique campus community of Southwestern Seminary. Visit swibbits.edu forward slash preview to learn more and register for Fall Preview Day at Southwestern Seminary. Have a great day. And now back to the show. All right. So the final one, and this was really what we were supposed to discuss together, uh, but Kyle had uh, quote unquote allergies, and then that ended up being he's about to die. So uh, before you <laughs> die, uh, our final one is this call to build relationships, not isolating yourselves. Now, which is ironic because here I am in yeah, you're isolated. isolation no and quarantine. <laughs> and, uh, but, but still, I think we're able to do this. What we're doing right now is a very good picture of one of the things that helped us in our ministry at Mayhill and your ministry at First Alamogordo is being able to get on the phone, get on the FaceTime, send a text or whatever, because we had that relationship. Now, the people that are listening to us might be in a city and there might be a church right up the road from them or there might be one right around the block. Or in the case of like May Hill, they might be 40 minutes away. And still really, sometimes we can be like, well, uh, you know, I'm not going to, you know, that's like consorting with the enemy. I don't want them to take my people away or something. So I don't want to hang out with them or whatever. But in reality, some of your best friends uh, just cannot always be within the church family. You're going to have some great friends, especially if you're loving your church well. We have some dear, dear friends at Mayhill Baptist Church uh, because we have loved well and we have been loved well. But there's certain things that as a pastor, I'm not able to share with them. And there's certain things that may weigh on me as a pastor that to be able to pick up the phone or make a FaceTime or send a text or, or ask for prayer of a mentor or a friend is invaluable. And, uh, and so I shared with the guys uh, kind of off the cuff that we need some people that have gone before us and we need some people that are coming behind us. And so what I mean by that is there's people 
that have gone before us, that have ministered for a while, that have some experience, perhaps in similar contexts as yours, or maybe even the former pastor of that church or somebody that knows that community well, to be able to mentor you. But then on the flip side, you also need to be mentoring somebody else. At our age, you know, I'm 37, you are? I'm 38. 38, the old guy of the pod. Uh, and so <laughs> we we have people that are coming up behind us that maybe student pastors or even young senior pastors that we can be pouring into. And one of the easiest ways for at least Southern Baptists to do that is your local association. Now, now I'm kind of paid to say that because I'm going to be an associational mission strategist. But in reality, that is such an easy on-ramp for these type of relationships. In the case of Mountain Valley Baptist Association, I know you've left us, I'm about to leave us. But in Mountain Valley Baptist Association, we were pretty close to the youngest. Maybe if you take the, you know, the, the student pastors out of the equation, uh, but in most associations, you're going to have people that are older than you in them. You're going to have people younger than you. But it's also that local geographically close area of guys that you can kind of pull from and sort of fish around and find who's somebody that has the time and the bandwidth and maybe the ability to speak into my life and who can I speak into their life? Because ministry is difficult, especially if we're going to conflict not away from it, especially if we're trying to come up with new ways to embrace kids and bring them into the ministry of the church, especially if we're trying to train up lay leaders, if we're trying to make disciples, if we're trying to do all of these things that we've shared on the episode, we might know how we plan to do that. But sometimes we can talk to somebody that has done it in many different ways that open our eyes to other ways. But even as they're helping you with those things, they're also helping you battle isolation. And uh, so, Kyle, as we begin to wind down, what are your thoughts on building relationships, not isolating yourself? So, yeah, having, having strong relationships is, is key to sticking it out uh, because you'll have somebody there to talk you off the ledge, uh, somebody there to, um, you know, just bounce ideas off of and say, hey, this is something I'm thinking through before I present it to my church. What do you think? And they can say, that's a great idea or that's the worst idea I've ever heard. Um, or, you know, you can um, I mean, you, you can have somebody to get, just go out and. Uh, and grab coffee with and encourage one another, pray for one another, um, travel to association meetings and state conventions and all that. And um, it's a fantastic uh, way to ensure, uh, help ensure some longevity in ministry and not walking away at the first signs of trouble. So build strong relationships. For sure. Well, uh, since it doesn't really matter if your coffee is as black as night or as bold as the gospel we declare, I'll say that to everybody else and not Kyle. So as we wind down, thank you for tuning in. Remember to move to conflict, not from it, to embrace kids, not tolerate them, to train up lay leaders, not do it all yourself, to make disciples, don't just swap sheep, and then build relationships, don't isolate yourself. So keep that in mind. And may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel we declare. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We want to connect with you on Facebook at Not Another Baptist Podcast or on Twitter at NAB underscore podcast or our website at notanotherbaptistpodcast.com. Until next week, we encourage you to check out csbible.com to learn about the Christian Standard Bible, our favorite translation for its blend of readability and accuracy. Have a great day and God bless.
What's wrong with you people?